Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It is Tuesday. You know what that means. It's time for your AEW review with me, your boy, Big Tasty. I am joined, as always, by Jay. Jay, how's it going, I'm good. I've got, um, well, we've just been talking about it, Pop Works, which is like across the Doritos and popcorn, which I didn't know I needed as much as I do. Yeah, yeah, and they sound amazing, and I'm really quite upset that I don't have any. Quite a little crap. I've just had some lovely chicken satay, so can't really complain. Nice. Nice. I've got a nice mug of hot chocolate as well, just to go with these bad boys. Hot chocolate? Mate, it's fucking May. What are you doing? Don't worry about it. I said I had a hot chocolate. Um, me and Sarah stayed over in Chester on Saturday in a hotel, and I had a hot chocolate just because it was free, and I had already technically paid for it, so I had it at like midnight, even though I didn't really want it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I was gonna, I was gonna have a cup of coffee while I was doing the podcast, as I usually do. I thought, you know what, late than normal, don't need coffee. Was a beautiful night. Uh, um, just in case, apologies to anyone who might do sound a little different this week. Um, I, my body at the age of 34 has just decided that I now have hay fever and so today all of the pollen has been like inside me and destroying my face so I do apologize I have the worst head cold I'll try and I'll try and pause like mute my mic like sort of strategically and blow my nose like when I can but we'll uh, just have to soldier through that's what he's doing uh, right then we'll get into we actually have questions this week we asked for, we asked for questions we, we've been the questions off accidentally the last two weeks uh, a lot of people are very angry about one specific thing which we'll talk about later yeah um, which we'll actually cover on in the show and then we'll talk about it a little bit at the end as well why not for, for a special treat uh, but anyway we'll get, crack on with Dynamite first um, and we start out with Jeff Oliver, Bobby Fish and Adam Cole comes out on commentary which is nice always cool to see Mr. Cole yeah, um, a little uh, budge, a little bit of budge, budge for the boys. But yeah, fun match. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Fish. Not gonna lie, wasn't on my immediate list of dream matches when Jeff Hardy arrived in AW. But this match really, it was just a good laugh on it. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't overstay its welcome. Everyone did the park great. Um, Jeff Hardy's just really good at selling, isn't he? Like. Especially against guys like who are a lot more technical on him, he just he just does a really good job of kind yeah. of. Yeah, and the match made a lot of sense because Bobby Fish spent a lot of time working like the legs of Hardy, especially the knee with the dragon screw, like sort yeah. of kind of take away Hardy's top rope antics, and it, and Hardy sold it really well. And like there was a, that a bit where he like he had Fish down and he, he was too slow getting up because his leg was hurt. So looking for the swanton and, and Fish was over the counter, and then he hit the um, yeah. the avalanche for avalanche uh, avalanche half an arrow. Fuck me, um, which. Is the move he beat? He beat someone with that. I remember who it was. It was one pretty uh, big. It was someone pretty big. Can't remember who it was. No. Was it Matt Seidel? Might be Matt Seidel. Yeah, it was one of his first matches he won with that. And that was that was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it all sort of was all elementary in the end. I mean, could you could you see a way, a world in which Bobby Fish beats Jeff Hardy in this match? No. 
No, absolutely not. I mean, out of all of out of all of the other speed era, if only one of them isn't getting through to the next round, it's Bobby Fish. With respect to Bobby Fish, I feel bad for Bob Fish because he's always like the guy who everyone's like, "Yeah, he's he's not that good." My favorite joke that I saw um, for this was obviously it's the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament, and it was like, mm. "Oh, it's really it's really nice to have these two guys um, wrestling each other in the Owen Tournament because Jeff Hardy wrestled alongside Owen." During the Attitude Era, um, Bobby Fish trained Owen's dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Bobby he's Fish does all like a tiny old gentleman because he's older than time. <laughs> but yeah, really fun match. Um, yeah, not not like your typical Jeff Hardy match. There was like not a lot of explosiveness from Hardy. He was very much working big from underneath, but eventually he just sort of. You know, took advantage and it was able to sort of set up for the swanton, which yeah, I mean, no one kicks out of that, did he? So I feel like we might end up getting the Hardys versus Red Dragon at um, double or nothing. That's like a swerve. I I, st- I think the the Young Bucks Hardys match is definitely happening in in California. Let's be honest. Well, as 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 we'll to talk about that after the match, the Young Bucks came out and sort of got in the Hardys' faces. Like maybe left mm-hmm. this match, and it's it's very much looking like they're teasing something very soon. If you've been watching BTE, if you've been like paying attention to the Twitter, when's the oh no, when's the LA show? Uh, that is a very good question. Um, it is. It's not that far away, is it? June the first. So that's literally like the dynamite after. Double or nothing. Yeah. So what? What it would make would make so much more sense to save the books and Hardys for that show. Then, ooh, there's a there's a live a there's a live rampage that we can do. Exactly. It's, it's gonna be a big week. It's it's AW's California debut, and that's the so, that's the the sort of. That's the, the show after Double Up, isn't it, as well? Yeah, and it's in the, it's in the Staples Centre as well. Yeah. So it's, it's a big venue. Uh, it's I believe it's called the Crypto Arena. It says it in the LA Forum. Whatever the fuck it's something to do with cryptocurrency now. It's, it's crypto.com or something. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, and it also it seats over 17,000 people. Yeah, and it's the first time AW have come to the West Coast pretty much since the reception, yeah. since they were in Vegas. Yeah, and they're probably going to announce a few more West Coast shows at that show. Yeah. So I, I feel like they're going to try and make that show as big as the pay-per-view. And also, the, the Dynamite after a pay-per-view normally, they like, they'll either have like a big, big match on it or they'll have something big happening. Or yeah, it's, it's, all, it's always like the season finale, isn't it? The season, the season like premiere, sorry, so it's always like a big, a big deal. Mm. It's like the next sort of like run of storylines. Yeah. Yeah, because they very, well, I don't think they've ever done it where they've had like a rematch on a pay-per-view from like a previous pay-per-view. No. Other than, no, even, even Kenny and Mox, it was from, uh, from uh, Winter's Coming, wasn't it? Yeah, so they've never, they've never like repeated so yeah, it would, I I I assume that the books are going to be probably having some kind of showdown with Hardy's 
what better way than have the Hardys beat Red Dragon? True, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Then the books come out and stare them down proper. That'd have to, I mean, that'd have to be that Kyle O'Reilly is not going through to the finals of the tournament, which is probably you know a safe bet to be fair. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly's got to get through Samoa Joe or Joker. Yeah. Again, which we'll talk about later because we've got some questions about that. Yeah. Uh, right next up then, we had a really cool, I mean, I fucking love this, um, the promo from um, the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was the one they had on their YouTube, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, re- re- read mine. I was like, oh, yeah, you remember us by the scars we leave on your body. And it's like, oh. Yeah, when he said, um, when he says something like, you see if, oh, as he said, if you give anyone a knife and ask them to do something, to, they could tell them they can use it on the person they hate the most. They'd probably just kill them. We wouldn't do that. We'd, we'd cut the cheek so they've got the scar. That'll yeah, he said like 99 out of 100 people would just stab them, whereas he wants the 1% of people who would like scar them instead. Like, yeah. slice them, like, Ooh. give them a big scar. Um, I, I think Cesaro's coming. I think, I think it's soon. I think, he's, I think he's, he's, he's going to be the next person in Blackpool. You reckon? Well, he, when Regal did his interview with Jericho, he named three people that he'd like, he loves like working with. And there was like three guys. And it was Mox, Danielson and Cesaro. Uh, he's got two of them, I think so. Yeah, it makes sense if he just gets the third and they're just, you know, the boys. Uh, right, so this was Blackpool Combat Club. So again, um, Regal, the company... <coughs> Moxley, Danielson, and Yuther versus um, a team that I never knew I wanted until I saw them. The Butcher, the Blade, and Helico. And my my God, is it fun watching all three of these guys together? Because they all give something completely different. They, in a way, they were kind of like the best best sort of like mirror image of um, Blackpool Combat Club as well. Like you've got Butcher, who's like a brawler like Mox. You've got Angelico, who's a lot more technical. Like, well... He's, he's kind of like a cross of Yuta and um, Brian, isn't he? Yeah. And he's like, he's just like a really good technician. My immediate thought on this match, it started out with Angelico and Danielson, and it's like, just give these guys 20 minutes. Let them go. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't had that already. I know Angelico's not long back from injury, is he? But... No. Like, God damn, that's a match I really want to see now. But yeah, this this, yeah. this, this worked really well. So as you say, I mean, what you just described, it actually happens at the start of the match. So Butcher and Mox stop beating their shite out of each other on the outside. Yeah. Uh, Danielson and Helico do actual wrestling in the middle and then like Uter and Blade are sort of like work together as well. Hmm. Which Blade was... quite a lot of stuff with Danielson as well, which I was quite intrigued by. Yeah. And they had, they had a lot of really good... I mean, obviously... It's Brian Danielson. He has good chemistry with everybody. Like, he just but, can't have bad matches, can he? He just, he just doesn't happen. You'd think that way, yeah. Except for that one match where the referee was trying to fuck on Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Danielson was in that match. Fair. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the one thing that also surprised well, not surprised me in this match, but I, I enjoyed it, is they, they left it quite late to bring Moxie in. Like, I got to, like, halfway through the match, and I was like, hang on, Moxie hasn't actually been in the ring yet. He had that little fight outside with Butcher at the start. But you like threw him into the barricade, didn't he? And like just took him out of the match. Yeah, I think I said in Discord, it like, what was it? W- Willie Regal said something like, "I love it when big men throw Moxie around." And I was like, "Yep, absolutely." Mate. Yeah. Like Regal was yeah. Regal was like, "I love it when Moxie fights big guys because it, it but it means he has to work with a different, he has to try something different, he has to like fight a different way." And over Regal's just like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, if if they get their ass kicked, they get their ass kicked, but fuck it, they'll learn something." So. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that when 
like wasn't used to was getting the shit kicked out of me like Danielson and Mox was just not even bothering to yeah, say. Like, he's got to learn. He's got to learn how to get deal with this. Like it's yeah. part of the, it's part of the job. He was like he's got to learn. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I just love Blackpool. Yeah, that's, I mean, so I was watching it with Sarah, and, and Sarah was saying like they're never going to have like their own theme music, are they? And I don't think they should because of sort of the way they are, but just because like they're also individually over. Like everyone gets a fucking massive pop when the music hits. Yeah, I, I like the fact as well though, that them coming out to their own music almost represents the fact that they all come from different backgrounds but have the same goal. Yeah, but and it's interesting because like Utah comes out the face tunnel, Daniels comes out the heel tunnel now, and then Moxie comes through the crowd. So it's like all different aspects of, of like, diff- it's like a, a, a real amalgamation of, of different characters. You know, they all come together. Like, it's, it's possibly the only time that you see the, the, an, an established face and an established heel in a team. And there's no like power struggle. There's no like, oh, right, you know, are they, they going to turn on each other? But you know, like, in terms of like where they come from, like, like yeah. we like either comes out the tunnel that says I'm a face, Daniel comes out the tunnel that says I'm a heel, and yet they don't have any sort of like animosity when they wrestle. It's just they're just there to do a job. Yeah, I, I think as I say, I, I think it's really cool the fact that they like all like obviously Mox is like a brawler. He's violent in that sense. He loves like he works like the deathmatch style as well. Uh, Danielson's like just the best technical wrestler on the planet. We and need we need it. we need to make a case now. Like if if you take Moxley in AEW and his stuff on the Indies, has he had the best? Is he the best wrestler so far this year? No. Just because Jonathan Gregson was about, didn't he? I mean, well, in terms of the matches he's had, I mean, like you look at what Mox has done, like from like all the stuff that he's had. In AEW, like the stuff he did with Bloodsport, that match up with Will Ospreay. Like, I don't think anyone's uh, putting better matches on at the moment than John Moxley. I suppose from a from a sense of like having different matches, yeah, Moxley 100 percent From from a sense of like every single match they have is like a five-star class, so it's probably great. Yeah. I, I would I'm gonna I'm gonna go lean slightly towards the Aaron side of things and say if you put them both, if you said to me, Do you want to watch Five John Gresham matches back to back, or five John Moxley matches back to back. I'd I'd take the Moxley matches. I'd take the Moxley matches just because there's that much variety in the style. Whereas Gresham, he's amazing at what he does as a technical wrestler, and he can obviously do like he can do like literally race stuff when he wants to as well. Yeah, but Gresham, Gresham for me is kind of like an Akada in the sense that it's all about like building up to the like the crescendo. It's like, what do you want? Do you want to eat like the same Michelin star meal like five times in a row, or do you want like a massive fuck off barbecue platter? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> and I, I'm I'm the platter kind of guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's 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 definitely going to be like this year is definitely going to be hard for us to choose like who the best wrestler is. And Danielson's still fucking tearing it up as well. Like if he gets into Daniels, Utah, Utah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Moxie's match with Utah, man. That's my match of the year so far. Yeah. And you got Dax Harwood just low key bangers. Dax Harwood just like, <laughs> you know, you said I'm a tight team guy. Like, Fuck this. <laughs> it's like, what you, you got? CM Punk, you've got G1s coming, you know, card is going to be fucking mean in business when it gets to the G1. You yeah, haven't even talked about what could happen in Forbidden Door. Like, mm. it's yeah. madness. It's just, we're so lucky to be living in this in this time where the wrestling, remember when the wrestling on TV was like fucking Raw or fucking SmackDown or Impact? <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, if you don't want Raw, which in 2012 was like the worst it's ever been, here's like fucking Hulk Hogan and Abyss on Impact. And that's it. And maybe, or you can go and watch Ring of Honor, which banged, but you know, it wasn't on TV. 2012, Raw wasn't terrible. No, I mean, you had the fucking, oh, 2010, maybe 2010. What was 2010? Like, I wasn't. Nah. That was like, that was like the rise of Punk. 2012 was Punk's title run. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll get back to the match. Um, I mean, again, no to, to nobody's surprise. Um, was this the one where Moxie like fucking killed on Helico with a massive lariat? Mm-hmm. And then he tags in Brian, and then Brian just stomps a shout out of him and then puts him in a, a sleeper, does a little flex, and gets the win. Yeah, I like the fact that um, whenever, like the, the, we spoke about this last week, whenever they have the finish for their matches. Whoever the legal man is is in the middle of the ring with like a submission hold on, and then whoever aren't the legal men then come in. Yeah, they just like, they just close what? it out so professionally. They just they just know exactly what they're yeah. doing. They, it's like as soon as so good. as soon as Brian puts the puts the sleeper on, Mox and Utah are in there just to defend like the ring, and there's there's not there's no shenanigans. As soon as anyone gets in, they just fucking take them right out. And yeah, I mean it, it was it's elementary because on Helico was fucking dead before the sleeper even goes on. Yeah, yeah I, I, to go back to, to go back, I mean, obviously they lost, but I really enjoyed putting on Helico and the Butcher the Blade. I think it really weird, even though they're one of the same faction, just having on Helico back and like someone who uh, works that really different style made it the yeah, match a lot more interesting. I think now that Jack Evans has left AW, we're probably going to see a lot more singles on Helico matches, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, we- I mean, I'm not saying Jack Evans was bad. And like, I liked the hybrid too, but they never. And Jack Evans, to, to, to his credit, like Jack Evans even said, like it's on me. I didn't, I didn't put myself over enough when I was given opportunities. Yeah. It's like I was a bit lazy. Like I took it for granted, and like I didn't impress, and it was on me. And he was like, and it's like, all right, fair enough, mate. You know. Whereas Angelico was like, every time he'd get like the opportunity, he'd be like putting on bangers. Yeah. Uh, right then, after the match, uh, Jurassic Express appear backstage. They accept the challenge of Rick Starks and Hobbs. Uh, Jungle Boy says before they do that, he wants a shot at the FTW title. So your boy, your boy's in danger. Nah, he's on. Jack Perry's coming for him. He's coming for that belt. That's a one. Speaking of Starks and Hobbs, Keith Lee and Swerve are backstage. Uh, they've gotten finished business with Starks and Hobbs, which absolutely isn't going to cost them in the, in the uh, tag team title match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to swerve in their glory like that. Um, and then next up, we had Wardlow for his mystery opponent, which we had no idea who it was. No, not at all. Uh, so he comes in. So something happens. So again, I totally forgot what was happening. So like, like they, they cut to like the um, the entrance. I like the music. No music played. And I was like, oh, fuck. Have they, have they fucked up the technical like things again? Like, what's going on? Like, oh, no, shit. No, it's Wardlow. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get any music. Um, I love that. It's so good. Um, so Wardlow comes out. Wardlow's getting music when he gets his music back. New music. Mm. Ooh, possibly. I, I'm so in, I'm so invested in this story, and I'm so intrigued as to like what the end game is here. Like, what's what becomes of Wardlow? Like, how does this end? Does 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 Tony Khan sign him? Does like does he have a big like is all elite thing? Does he have like the big like Fuego contract signing or anything like that? Tony signed him. Um. Because MJF's the only reason why Tony can't sign him. Yeah, because he's technically under contract with MJF, and obviously Tony famously says he doesn't do business with people who are under contract elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, right, so yeah, his, his mystery opponent is William Morrissey, the former big Cass, who is seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. And to be fair, like, I mean, I've I've, I've seen a bit, bit of dribs and drabs, but like, if you're looking at big Cass from WWE, when he was like a little soft, S-A-W-F-T, uh, fuck my life, he looks like he's hewn from stone when he comes out here. Yeah, he's really he's really turned it around, hasn't he? Like in the sense that he obviously had like drinking problems and he ne- he nearly lost his life, didn't he? And then yeah, he with- had a seizure. Like, wasn't it the, one of the arenas he was in recently? Was like the arena he like collapsed in? Possibly. Yeah. He probably caught a thing on Twitter saying like this is where he nearly died, and like now he's back and he's like fucking jacked and everything. So yeah, fair play to yeah. him. He looks he looks right. He's moved a lot better. He he, he was working a lot better than I remember him working. Yeah, like I, I, I dip my toe into impact every now and again, and I've seen, I've seen his stuff, and he's, he's been really impressive. But even like, even in like a couple of months, there he's improved so much. Yeah, big um, some highlights of this match. Then <laughs> great crowd chance, uh, a dueling chance of we want Enzo, and no, we don't. And to be fair, Morris, he just sold that amazingly. Just got. Like, Going, who cares? He did the little uh, Enzo dance as well, didn't he? Like mockingly, he did, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the ring, which was good. Beating off Wardlow, <laughs> I enjoyed that. Uh, Wardlow hits a moonsault, which was pretty fucking cool. It was nice seeing Wardlow actually be presented as like this, obviously the smaller guy here, and like he was having to almost fight. Like you never see Wardlow having to fight from under someone. Like even against like Archer and Butcher, he was he always like had that like dominant moment. Whereas here, like, I mean, I don't know how much like you said it was backstage politics, and I don't. He gave a lot to Morrissey. Um, apparently, because Morrissey like a top guy at Impact, Impact and said you can use him. Just we don't want him to like be taken down with the Powerbomb Symphony. We want him to like still look good. Need to be fair. Water, water pins after one Powerbomb to do the Symphony, and I don't think he could have got him up for many more because fuck me, it was impressive that he got him up. It looked, it looked like like he was picking up a fucking mattress. It looked like when Kevin Nash um, jackknifed the, the Giants. Yeah. But yeah. it, it, Wardlow, like it looked, it looked like a real feat of strength that Wardlow was able to pick him up and power him, which was really cool. Made him look really good. Uh, so then afterwards, Wardlow just kills all the security guards, um, and then he said basically he's not going to stop telling Jeff release him from his contract. MJF said if he, he has a match with Wardlow and Wardlow wins, he'll release him. But there are going to be some conditions. We're going to find out in Long Island this week. Oh God, in Long Island of all places, Strong Island. That's uh, going to be interesting, isn't it? Yep. We had another little interview then with Tony uh, with the four women who were going to be on the Rampage tag match. That's Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, Rick Baker, Jimmy Hater. They just went back and forth on the old usual thing. It's fine. It just built the match up, didn't it? It was, it was sound. Mm. Uh, and then we had Hangman in the ring uh, to respond to the challenge from CM Punk. Uh, so, interestingly, and it's kind of fallen quite well the way this has happened. I know it kind of last week was kind of fucked up, wasn't it? Because Hangman got COVID and he couldn't be there. Uh, and it was just Punk, like, addressing Hangman, like, in absentee. This week, it was the other way around. Punk wasn't there. Like, he was off filming or something. Uh, was he doing heels or something like that? He was doing Mayans. Oh, right. Oh, was he in that as well? Yeah. Fair play. Um, but this time, it was the other way around. And it was Hangman addressing Punk, who wasn't there, which was... It's had a nice sort of, like, symmetry to it, which I quite liked. Just yeah, each, each, think... each man just sort of shouting into the void and like getting nothing back, and then like the response the next week. I, I thought that was that was really cool. When we finally got like an actual like 
face off with them this week. It's yeah, it's it's, it's it's sort of like inadvertently lot. built it quite well. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more exciting. And Punk, um, Punk's really good a lot of the times, like when he's building matches that he doesn't actually like always get into like a fist fight with them before the match. Yeah. So when you get to the match, it's like, oh, fuck it, here we go. So there's a, there's a lot to get into in this promo. Um, I noticed a few little details. I think they expect them both men to like split the crowd here. Well, so Hangman obviously is words. Hangman's words here were very verging on heelish. So he basically yeah. said there's going to be no handshake. It's not going to be a classic. He's going to destroy Punk. And then he, he found like a young kid in the crowd with a CM Punk shirt. And he basically said, yeah, you're going to want to go back to the merch stand and get a refund of that after the match if you haven't already burnt it. <laughs> now, he also said it's not going to be a masturbatory Bret Hart tribute match. Yeah. Now, right at the very end of this promo, as Hamlin's getting off the rink, he pulls like a facial expression, which mm. looked like he really didn't believe what he just said. Yeah. He looked like really like put out by what he just came out of his own mouth. Like he was trying to project character that he didn't believe. Mm. Which, if he's layering this, if this is like an actual thing, it's like actually good acting. <laughs> I, I, I actually think it is. There was, there, was like, there was like a moment of like absolute self doubt because like flashed across his face and it was like, Jesus. We've seen before though where Hangman's had like moments of like kind of strike within himself. Mm. And there's, like, there's, there's been a lot of him like trying to make himself somebody else, the person he thinks he should be as opposed to the person who he is. And that'll be what cost him the championship. Yeah. Because it's the first time he's drifted away from just being himself. Yeah, because he's, he's won all these matches through like being himself and like doing things like, his way and like finding his oh. own like reserves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's fucking great, isn't it? I love it. People like I mean, I'm not. We haven't got any questions for this, but I've seen like a lot of talk on the internet. And people have been like quite down on the like, Hangman as champion. I've been. He hasn't been like front and center every show, but I've fucking loved him. I've really enjoyed his run. Like I, really, quite I've a enjoyed Hangman's title reign because it means when he's when he. Do, I think, I think he could have been used a lot more, but at the same time, you don't want to use him too much because then he gets overexposed. I think so. I, I know what you're hinting at, and like I think. Like what you're trying to say here is, I think this run of Hangman's is actually weirdly setting up for his second run down the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's like, it, they're, they're gonna have, this run's meant to be like the, the sign of the imperfect one where he doesn't quite take advantage of it. Mm. And like, it was all about for him. It was all about the journey. He didn't kind of know what to do when he got there. It was all about beat Kenny, and that's the problem. Yeah. Like Hangman was Hangman was a machine sent to beat Kenny, and he can't. He hasn't figured out how to be the champion. So when he does become the champion again, yeah, when it's he, when he loses it, understand. getting back to the top is all about like, all right, I need to do more than just get there this time. I need to get there and then like make it my own. Yeah, agreed. Oh, it's so good. I love shit like this. It's it's oh, it's brilliant. Um, right. Next up, then we had a quick um, promo. Jay Lethal with the boys backstage. Complaining about the rookie from DDT getting the spotlight. Obviously, that's Takeshita who's come over. So Jay Lethal's going to take him on. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, next up, we had Chris Jericho versus Santana. Um, yeah, fun match. Jericho continues to just be in mind-bogglingly good shape, doesn't he? Yeah, and also for eight weeks now, Jericho Appreciation Society has been the for over for over eight weeks. 
the Joker yeah. Appreciation Society has been the most <laughs> recognized brand of sports entertainment. I love that. Again, that's that's like that's like Matt's like thing now. It's, it's, it's I, I love I love that it's Matt Menard who's reading it out as well because he's got like the thickest like French Canadian. Yeah, he's accent. got the biggest, like the biggest like Canadian accent. It's it's All incredible. Right. It, it, it's like something off South Park. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love this was a good match though. Like Santana really, really looked like he belonged in the ring with Jericho. I mean, you can say what you will about Jericho in 2022. You know, he's not at his physical peak anymore. Like, despite the fact that he's in really good shape, he's obviously he's a bit older than he, than he was. But fuck me, you can put a match together, can't he? Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he knows, he knows how to plan a match out and like have it so it works. He knows how to as well, like make a guy who's not necessarily not necessarily there as a star like Santana we've always said oh yeah he's great he's such a good talker he's such a good wrestler but there's always felt like there's something as a singles guy anyway there's something missing yeah and this match like Santana felt like he could have been challenging for the world title tomorrow after Jericho really elevated him like almost to the extent of like the jungle boy match you have him as champion it was like that level of match. It was great. I hope like, we then, I hope you get like Jericho Ortiz next, just to do the same. It was, it was great. It was like, like you say, like, um, like the three amigos was fantastic. He hit the frog splash and hit the frog splash, that huge pop. That was incredible. Like the crowd were really behind him. Like because Jericho, one thing he's really good at as well is just becoming an absolutely detestable prick. Like and yeah. like the fans wanted to see him lose like so bad. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. Um, bad, and bad. I get. Or literally had to resort to all of like all members of Jericho Appreciation Society distracting Santana, yeah, and Aubrey, so he could hit a low blow and then do the same. Just brilliant, like brilliantly like thought out. Yeah, it works. It made Santana look great. It took like every, like you said, it took everything to stop him, which was fantastic. He looked like an absolute killer machine. Jericho gets the win in like the, the sort of greasy sports entertaining way. Like Daniel Garcia there with his fucking. Triple H cap. It's uh, everything about it is great. Yeah, I like that. It's starting to feel like less like the inner circle, like a, a rebrand of the inner circle. It, it, like it, it does because the inner circle was kind of even when they were heels, they were kind of like trying to portray themselves as badasses, weren't they? Whereas like Jericho appreciation side, it's kind of like an inside joke. It's like yeah, we're kind of we're, we're shit. We're like we're kind of shitheads, and we we, we sort of accept that, but we're gonna win because we, we're sports entertainers. Yeah. So yeah, it's it was great. Yeah, fun match. Um, next up, Samoa Joe called out Jay Lethal. I love this. This was like vintage Joe, like promo. This it was uh, not not not, not overcomplicated. Just asking Lethal if he was a brave man, and it's like, oh, Samoa Joe asked me if I'm a brave man. I'm, I'm already pissing myself. I think Joe, Joe literally like in his promos is like a fucking crime boss, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> his face is the last thing people oh, see before they go to the river. Jesus Christ. I'd love to have like a heel faction like that in fucking... What about right? If Joe gets captured by ninjas, right? No. <laughs> Not again. And he comes back as a crime boss. What, what if he, um, he starts like wearing face paint that looks a bit like a dick and then starts carrying a knife around with him while wearing parachute pants? Only if the knife is piss out. Yep. And Taz could manage him and he could call himself something like the Nation of Violence. Yes, exactly. Oh, well. Uh, next up, another fun little segment. The Gun Club have got presents for the acclaimed and it's two pairs of scissors and then they all scissor and they're all friends. 
this should be the worst thing on the show, but it's somehow brilliant because of the, the people fa- involved. The fact that the ass boys could ask their daddy if they could scissor with the nice boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. They get Billy Ass's permission. Like, like I said, this should this should suck, but just because of the five people involved, it's brilliant. Mm. I never thought I'd be a big fan of the Ass Boys in 2022. Yeah, but here we are. Da- Danhausen is an actual wizard getting them into that position. I'll wait for the inevitable Danhausen versus the Ass Boys match. The Hookhausen versus the Ass Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, next up, the Varsity Blondes are out. Remember them? They're back. So I like this. So earlier in the night, they threw to the crowd. And they had John Harbour there, who is the Baltimore Ravens head coach, obviously in Baltimore. And they cut back to this at this point. And Brian Pillman reads out a quote from his from John Harbour, who turns out was Brian Pillman Sr.'s roommate in college. And they stayed they stayed good friends in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really cool. They cut they they had that little connection there with with Pillman and, and, and Baltimore, which is great. Um, basically, Pillman said that you know he'd been like complacent. Maybe I think there was a little bit of real life in here, wasn't there? For Pillman, mm-hmm. I know he's had a bit of a tough time the last sort of six to eight months. Uh, so next up, basically, Brian Pillman's just like, "Why is Julie being all spooky? I don't like it. I want to like keep it. I want to protect everyone and keep it together." So then the lights mm-hmm. go out. The House of Black come in. Um, they beat up Garrison and Pillman. Then. Julius like sort of stood in the corner. The really good way that they frame the shot. Yeah, yeah. The lights come up, and in each corner was a member of the House of Black, and in the opposite corner was Julia. Yeah, so it was four people in four corners, but obviously one of them was Julia. They beat up Garrison and Pillman. Was it Garrison gets a cannonball off Brody King, which looked oof, oof. Mm-hmm. and then as Pillman's lying on the floor, Malachi walks up to Julia. Takes her over to, to, to Garrison, gives her a chair. She's like, no, no. Malachi sits in the corner. Yes, buddy. sorry, but he gives her a chair, and she she can't quite do it, can she? She's like thinking about it, like hitting him. She and hesitates, then, and then Malachi loses temper. When he, yeah, he gets up in her face. He like rips her eye patch off, mm-hmm. but but then she covers her eye, and you don't see like what's underneath. Because like at this point, there's like grey shit like all over her face from like under the eye patch. Like, like Malachi is gone. Like it's like a, 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 but it's the other eye. Yeah. Interestingly, um, which is cool. I mean, that's. We'll talk. There's a lot of questions about this, and about Julian specifically. So we're not going to dwell on it too much here. We'll talk about it at the end um, because I've got opinions. I've got. I've got theories. Um, yeah. My only criticism of this um, segment was it went on way too long. Yeah, but any time that Brody King is just stood the ring like a majestic beast is. Fine. There wasn't enough Ganso bombs on Brian Hill and Junior for me. Neither just one Ganso bomb. <laughs> so I saw someone on Twitter again said um, if that was Pillman instead of Griff Garrison, Julia definitely would have hit him with the chair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so as, as that's all going on, Death Triangle comes to make the save. Obviously, we're, we're, we're heading. I like this idea of just like Death Triangle just like they're just pissing off everybody, and it's it's gonna come. They're gonna get themselves in a position where they can't deal with it but they kind of it almost feel like Malachi kind of likes it because like he's always you always see him like laughing whenever like, they get this like big like swell of opposition against him he's like yeah this is fine I'm, I'm, I'm alright with this yeah because it's like he's got like as I say it's it's almost like he's a couple of like steps ahead of everybody else 
Yeah, like he's he's, he's obviously wanting this to happen. Like he's got some sort of grand like, plan. Like there's, 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 there's pieces in place here, isn't there, that we're not seeing? I I'm I'm intrigued as to who the next member is going to be because there's definitely going to be another member. Soon. Yeah, I mean, he said Julie, he, Julia's going to join eventually. He said it's complete, but I don't believe that for a second. No. Trying to do a big dark fuego. Dark fuego, Jesus. Before you go dark. Um, right then, next up, we had a little thing with Jay Cargill, the baddies backstage. Um, Red Velvet is going to win the Owen Hart tournament. Do doubt, mm-hmm. but whatever. It was fun for her. When did Jay Cargill become like really good on the mic? Because it's happened. Just without me really realizing. Um, she, she was kind of okay. And then she just all of a sudden became really good. A debut segment, she was dog shit. Yeah. She was fucking terrible on that. Them made worse by Brandy fucking just shouting at her. Um, I I don't know. It's definitely like been since I'd say at least since the um the tournament for the TBS title. Yeah, I mean Mark Sterling's always been the catalyst here, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I think. Well, I think the thing with Mark Sterling is he can do the bulk of the talking, and then Jade can focus on like. Hero like stuff, and I think giving her like that character to bounce off really helps. Mm. Like it helps give her like the focus on the promos, which which makes like she she can just basically rip the piss out of him, and it's brilliant because mm-hmm. he's Mark Sterling. We all hate him, and we love him at the same time. Um, yeah. Right then, next up we have Ray Phoenix versus Dante Martin, uh, a match which I believe when they have next time they they'll have a rematch somewhere down the line, and it will be the first ever wrestling match before entirely in the air without anyone touching the floor at any time. I like the fact that this match um, was as grounded as it was, though. Yeah, it just almost this felt like like the first one of a series where like they didn't give you at all. They they sort of gave you a teaser, and they sort of gave you like. Well, they did. They did the Dante vignette, didn't they? Where he was like, I think it was on on the YouTube channel, where he's like, a lot of people could see this as like a passing of the torch moment for me, and I feel like I am going to take the torch from Phoenix as like the best type player. Yeah. It's definitely going to be down the line somewhere. We're going to get like top flight best Lucha Brothers and just just let Phoenix and Dante just fucking tear it apart. Just yes. Mm. No, it was. It was. I mean, it was. You said it was. It wasn't very like flippy, but there was a lot of fast movement. There was like loads of like big moves. Um, it was. It was kind of like you said. It, it kind of felt like it, it, well, it. Every time they talked to the air, it mastered. Yeah, it wasn't the way yeah, every time like going up to the top felt like a big like risk, didn't it? Because both them both were so fast that like committing to a top move felt like a massive like massive like taking sometimes, the chance. Sometimes with Phoenix matches, he spams that much stuff that you kind of forget like one one impressive thing he's done because he just followed it up with another. Whereas this, every time like both. Both men's high flying kind of cancelled it out, so they both had to have a, a technical match. Yeah. And then when they did do the high flying spots, it was like awe inspiringly good. And there was that bit where they, they had the Spanish fly at the top and both just landed on their feet. And I looked at each other, smiled. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really cool. Like and it was it was like they both reckon like you say, like they both recognized each other, like they both like game recognized game. But yeah, it was it was pretty good fun. Ray wins with that sort of pile driver thingy. Don't know if you got a name. 
driver. The what, sorry? The Phoenix driver. Phoenix driver. I mean, it looks fucking cool. And the way they counted it, like, he sort of just flung Dante on his shoulder and sort of, like, spun him around and then just dropped him on his head, basically, which was, yeah, quite nice. That um, cutter thing Ray did as well was fucking mental. Which one was that? Where, where he, he got him for, like, a powerbomb. And he, like, threw him up in the air and then tipped twisted until Cutter as Dante was in the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, right, yeah, so Ray Phoenix wins, which is, yep, fine. Um, also, so Ray... uh, something he didn't put on the uh, show for obvious reasons, uh, Ray actually gave Dante his mask after the match. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, that's why Alex stayed out, because Alex, like, put his jacket over Ray's head as Ray gave him the mask and then walked off without it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up then Thunder Rosa comes out uh, to rest the crowd gets a really cool promo um, basically saying that she's carried the division she's elevated the division she wants to wrestle the best on the planet um, she wants to have hours to see the one wrestler who made her want to be who she is called out Serena um, Deeb said yeah she respects Rosa they can make AWs with women's division the best in the world but for that to happen Deeb needs to be champion um, Deep said she's on another level and they set up a match with Double Nothing, which was, yeah, this was fine. Looking forward to that match. This is, like I said, this yeah. is, it's weird how this has come full circle because when they both first came into AW, they feuded over the NWA World Women's Championship. Outside of AW, though. Yeah, but, yeah, but now they've like reached it. Now they've, they've brought this like feud into AW yeah. for the AW Women's Championship, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, this promo for me went on about like five minutes too long. <laughs> it's just because you don't like to read it. It's because, well, it's partly because Serena Deeb's a fucking awful talker. She's very, um, she's very Karen and she, she's got big Karen energy. Like, she wants to see the manager. Very monotone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just felt, it just felt like it went on a little bit too long. They could have, they could have just literally had Deeb come out, stare down from the roster and say, I'm going to be you. I liked that they did it on the stage, though. I, I like that. Oh, yeah. that. That felt cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, right then, to pick sick with women's action, we go to the main event. Uh, it's Mercedes Martinez versus Diana Perazzo in an AEW ring for the to determine the undisputed ROH Women's Champion. Uh, they add Bobby Cruz the, back to uh, the uh, ring announcing, which is just the most. I hope he's just there all the time when they're doing ring on stuff. It makes it feel mm-hmm. so. It makes it feel like a big deal, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see more of the honor in AEW, please. Yeah, so this match was really good. The honor was fantastic. Only criticism, I think, I think was was you said it as well. I think they, they ran out of time a little bit. That's what I mean. There was two segments that felt like that women's promo that they had before the match with their Rosa and Deeb and the House of Black segment both felt like they went a little bit over. Um it just felt like they were rushing the match. Yeah, they have to cut a little bit at the main events, maybe. But it was it was fun. It was great to see the owner. Like they're really good foils for each other. And like the way they the way they both wrestled, they they both worked that technical style really really well. Mercedes is one of those wrestlers who's never really gotten her due, and it's great to see her like getting that recognition now in Ring of Honor as the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Yeah, especially because she trained Shayna Baszler last week again. Yeah. Or help train Shayna Baszler, I should say. Yeah, but uh, I'd like say, like, fun match for what it was. Like you said, it felt like a little, like they could have maybe had a little bit more time, you'd like to see. Um, but it was like loads of really good stuff. Uh, Mercedes, like, th- it, it was, it felt 
it felt like a real like struggle, like towards the end to like sort of for supremacy for the two women to like sort of lock in the the like submissions they were looking for, but in like not in a way that looked scruffy or like it looked really clean still and it looked really like smooth and well done, which doesn't normally happen, which was sort of testament to how good both these women are at working, which was. They made it look. They made it feel natural, but it still looked quite aesthetically pleasing. It was like as like a wrestling contest. I'd love them to have like a rematch somewhere down the line that goes like twenty minutes. Yeah, on like a Ring of Honor show or on like a Ring of Honor pay per view yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that'd absolutely be the way to do it. But yeah, so Mercedes Martinez, um, she won with. It's actually a move Danielson's been doing a bit, hasn't it? It's the um, it's the surfboard back, but then instead of going onto your back, you just do a dragon sleeper as well. Hmm. And it's yeah. oh, the Romero special. Is it the Romero special? And then you go into the Dragon Sleeper. Romero special to a Dragon Sleeper. Yeah, and it, it's such a cool looking move. And it, it, it was, yeah, it was, it got to the win. And yeah, Mercedes Martinez is. I thought that on was awesome as well, where like. Yeah. Like as she was trying to like bend Dion back to. Yeah. Dion was like biting her arm. I think I said yeah. that they sort of they sort of did that. They, they they hit the nail perfectly between like making it seem like really gritty and like it was a struggle, but also like it didn't feel scrappy and it but it was really smooth at the same time. Yeah, I just I just want more Diana Perazzo and AW, please. Yeah, oh absolutely. There's so there's so many um because I mean I like she's a really good fair for impact. They've they've obviously like got like the best women's division on the planet. Yeah. And now they've got like Mia Yim back as well. They've got like that. Dream well, yeah, yeah, match. Mia Yim came back this week, didn't she? Yeah, you can just bust that dream match out whenever you fancy it. Um, but I'd really like to see the honor of like a run in AEW, and just because there's so many dream matches there, like the honor of Brit would be awesome. Yeah, but they're uh, very good friends as well, aren't they? They're into the real world. So yeah, she that uh, a rematch with Thunder Rosa because she had one at Slam Anniversary last year. Yeah. Um. Jamie Hater, Tony, Tony Storm, Storm, Ruby Soho, Soho. There's, there's a lot of Riho, Riho, yeah. Um, there's a lot of women in in AW that I'd love to see work with. Oh, Emmy Sakura. Oh man, don't. <laughs> see you, the real queen is. The two real queens. Uh, right then, that's it for. Uh, dynamite before we move on to rampage, Jay. Do you have any highs and lows? Um, my main low is timing issues, like, especially because, like, the women's uh, ROH women's title match lost a lot of time. Um, as I say, as I said before, like, uh, Rose and Deeb segment and the House of Black one. Didn't need that much time. They could have done. I mean, obviously the House of Black stuff, like it's, it's understandable them like dragging stuff out because obviously that's the way the way they are presented. But at the same time, it didn't need to be as long as it did. Didn't need Brian Pillman rambling on for fucking five minutes about his dad sharing a room with the uh, Baltimore Ravens coach. Um, yeah. As for a high, I'm gonna see one that might surprise you. And that's uh, Wardlow versus Morrissey. Oh, right, okay. Expand on I that. thought it was a really fun match. Morrissey looked really good. Um, and it's it, feel, it feels like now, like, Wardlow and MJF's finally within reach. Yeah, that's it. This feels like, this but, felt like a big piece, didn't it? Like, of, 
yeah, of the puzzle there moving forward. All right, okay. Uh, I'm going to take for a high. I'm going to take Blackpool Combat Club versus Butcher Blade and Helico. That was probably the, the most fun I had watching any of the matches tonight in terms of just pure in ring entertainment. Uh, that did the most for me. I don't know if I've got it down here um, or a low uh, because it was one of those dynamites, wasn't it? Whenever the card looks like kind of middle of the road, it always turns out real well. It moved along a lot of storylines, didn't it? Yeah. I, I, it all, it all like it's nothing, nothing bored me. Everything, it's me. Everything sort of held my attention. So yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll take, I'll take, uh, I'll take one high, no lows. Right then, crack on to a rampage. Starting off with the match we talked about just earlier, um, Doctor Baker, Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. Interestingly, Rebel came out like at the start, but then she wasn't around for an awful lot of. The match, was she, which was kind of interesting. She did pop, she, she popped up towards the end, but she wasn't. She wasn't like all over the match. Like this wasn't like a typical Brit Baker match where there was like distractions everywhere and like interference no. all the time. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, it was really fun. Really um, they, I mean, they started out with Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm, which was just oh, chef kiss. Like that's what you want to see. The two women just beating the piss mm-hmm. out of each other. Um. As soon as every time Rick Baker is like involved, there's a massive loud pitch big sucks chance. Obviously, the Baltimore fans, Baltimore pitch big, big NFL rivals, and no love lost there, which is fun. Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to explain that to several people. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just really good. I mean, you... It was really hard hitting this match. Yeah, well, well when, when the sort of when the crux of the match, when the, the sort of the building blocks this match, you just Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm literally slapping the shit out of each other. Yeah. Then you um, know it's uh, you know it's you're going for a good time, and that's how it starts. Interestingly, um, Tony Storm and Britt is going to be a semi-final match. Yeah. Um, that's something that did intrigue me because it means that like. Obviously, what's going to be the final? Because it, it feels like these two are, are going to have the feud going forward, doesn't it? Yeah, neither of them are going to like get to the final. Well, no, now it's probably going to be one of them is going to get to the final. Yeah, and Tony Storm will. I think Britain Tony is going to be a semi-final. Yeah. Makes well, that you know, it depends on who the Joker is, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I really like the uh, chemistry that um, Tony and um, Brit had. Yeah, they really they felt like they'd wrestled a million times before when they were in the ring together. Um, yeah, this was fun, it was really, it cool. was really good. And interestingly, the big talking point really is uh, Tony Storm pinned Brit Baker, she did. And it was down to Rebels' distraction as well. Yeah. And obviously Hater, uh, like, so Hater knocks, Hater knocks um, Storm into Brit while Rebels got the ref distracted. But it rolls her up and then Tony reverses the roll. Yeah, which was awesome. Uh, so one thing this match did really well, and you, you sort of touched on it, is it really set the, it really set the table for, their, their matches that are going to be in the O'Donnell tournament because all four of these women are involved. It really sort of was a really good primer for that. And like, I'm really excited to see the tournament kick off properly now. Now, like, they've given us a taste in this match. 
we we'll get we get it um, this week, don't we? Yeah, we do. It's, it's beginning. We get, is it? We get three matches of uh, women's and two men's on yes. on dynamite. I think. Yeah, and I imagine we'll probably get another man and women's match on rampage. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I, I I think Rampage the next couple of weeks they should just do just have, it, have it all be the, the tournament and, uh, yeah three matches just the hour yeah that'd be, that'd be nice wouldn't it that'd be, that'd be cool like three 15 minute matches and then whatever fucking programs they want to put in between right then next up uh, Eddie Kingston makes a threatening phone call to Chris Jericho this was great <laughs> so um this was so cool. So uh, they patched it through to Jericho and commentary. Uh, Eddie Kingston mentioned how he'd been with his wife for 20 years, which I'm pretty sure that contradicts several things he said in earlier promos. Don't worry about it. Eddie Kingston is one of those guys who, like, in a bar who just keeps telling you a story and like, the details keep changing and you just go with it because you're like, fuck it, I'm, I'm along for the ride here. Um, yeah. He basically said that when he came home, his wife's in tears uh, after seeing the results of like the fireball that Jericho threw at him. Um, and it, it's a great line. He was like, Jericho, I'm going to make you feel the fear my wife felt when she saw me. Yeah. <laughs> he basically just, and then he just said, Yeah, Chris, I'm going to hurt you really badly. Which <laughs> is oh. fucking terrifying. When any king said he's going to hurt you, you believe that he's going to hurt you. And Jericho sold it really well. He just didn't know what to say. He was just like, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, the master promo guy, the, the goat. The greatest of all time was lost for words because Eddie Kingston scared the shit out of him. Well, that's twice he's done that now as well, isn't he? Yeah. Or like the uh, down thing when Eddie was like getting real intense and in his face and Jericho looked terrified then. Oh, yeah, but that meme where Eddie was like the Pelican just like leaning over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was great. Um, I'm, I'm just all, more Eddie Kingston all the time. Top, top red Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I'm uh, down with that. Next up, uh, Tony Nese and Mark Sterling were backstage. Um, I love this. I saw this coming like a second before like, when he was talking about like challenging and it sounds like he's going to challenge Hook and he's like reeling off all of his accomplishments. And it's like, no, he's talking about Dan House, isn't he? Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> and he swerves. Like, this is how Dan House and Davies. And he swerves and yeah, um, Tony Nese officially challenges Dan House next week, which is going to be lovely. I can't wait to hear Dan House's entrance music. Yeah, I mean, Mikey Rock, is, what he was saying about it, apparently it was like it nearly, it nearly broke him trying to record it, so. It what? It nearly broke Ruckus trying to make it. Amazing. <laughs> so. I know, he, I, I know he said he's got a theremin for it, which <laughs> Lovely. Uh, next up, we had Hook versus J.D. Drake. Uh, again, this was kind of... Um, kind of elementary. It was a lovely, like, the way... The way Hook wins is he puts the red rum out of like a suplex reversal, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Also, he thrown JD Drake around like he was fucking nothing. Yeah, JD Drake's a big boy. Hook, Hook is like ridiculously strong. Hook Who is knew? just Hook is god, mate. Hook can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's Hook's world where he's just living it. Uh, yeah. So after the match, Dan House comes out. Um. He basically says that he needs to challenge him to a match and he wants Hook to be in his corner because um, Nice will have Mark Sterling in his corner. There's a massive Hookhausen chant. Uh, Danhausen asks him to shake hands and Hook shoves him over. And then Danhausen 
leaves a small little bag of potato chips with a ribbon on it in the middle of the ring. He Hook picks it up, looks at it. He, he sort of drops character for a second. He sort of, you see like the, the the child who he actually is, and then he throws him on the floor and walks off to massive booze. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's, it's gonna happen, isn't it? It's gonna happen. Yeah, at this point, I think it has to. It's what the fans want. Yeah. I don't know if it was meant to happen, but like it's going no, to. No, I, I feel I feel like they were going to have like Dan House and just get destroyed by Hook at one point. Yeah, I mean, but no one wants to see that. No, no one wants to see Dan House and cry. No, <laughs> no, I love it. You'll love to see it. So yeah, they're gonna, they're going to go around the houses a bit, aren't they? But like something will happen eventually that'll right, make right. Hook come out for the save. Yeah, so yeah, this is a... Around the housings. Around the housings. There you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, backstage, FTR with Lexi Nair. Um, Cash saying that Dax is going to beat Adam Cole in the first round of the Owen tournament. I mean, what a fucking match that's going to be. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's going to fucking... And then Dax, Dax says basically, yeah, if I just to hate me and it was deserved because I was a nasty bastard. But next, when I face Adam Cole next week, I'm going to be that same old nasty bastard. It's like, oh shit, yeah, you bring him back, bad boy Dax. Then, yeah, boy, bad daddy Dax. Uh, oh. Next up, we had Yuka Sakazaki versus Riho, which was just a delight, wasn't it? It was just fucking lovely. Always happy to see the magical girl. Oh, she's so good. Like, there's a like that magical girl splash where she just like I can't explain to someone who doesn't like understand physics but she stands on the ropes but in like the middle of the ropes like where there's no tension yeah and just stands there for like five seconds without fall anyone else trying to do that they just fall flat on their fucking face and she just stands there like it's like she's standing on a wall just like yeah yeah like the fact that Riho had um, black and pink gear as well to on her own heart Riho's gear was fucking beautiful really enjoyed yeah. that she had hot colours, black and pink. You'll love to see it. Yeah. You know, that, that was gorgeous. Um, like, I mean, everything about this was really, really good fun. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this match a lot. Loads of really good stuff. Um, you could go to the Magical Girl Splash. Rico gets out of it. Uh, that lovely fucking flatliner that uh, exactly hits on Rico was lovely. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of back and forth. And then uh, Rico hits that, like, like sort of that leg-based roll-up that she does, which looks really cool. Yeah. And picks up the wind of that, which, yeah, which was great. Crab half of this. It was really good fun. It was so... It was it was like a throwback to the to the, um, the Japanese bracket in the tournament from last year, which was great to see. Because Riho was out for that. She was injured during that, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she was. So, yeah, we never got to no, see her. She was on the, she was on the US. Oh, she was on the US. She never got to rest on any, any of the, the, the Joshi room. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Uh, they reveal the brackets for the women's side of the Owen Hart tournament. So, with first round is Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker versus the Joker, Riho versus not the Joker, our Joker, uh, Riho versus Ruby Soho, and Red Velvet versus Sheena. I wonder if this means we're not getting a men's casino battle royal. I reckon this might take over because don't the winners get title shots for both of these? Uh, possibly. Let's. I can't remember if they've explicitly said that. They've, they've kind of, they kind of alluded to it a bit, haven't they? Not like without actually saying it. Yeah. Did you see that? Um, did you see that? Originally, Tony Khan wanted to do it like the G one. 
Yeah, that would have been fucking beautiful. Wouldn't have enough TV time. Just do it on YouTube, mate. Fuck it. Just, just literally, yeah. Just take the dark. Just put, put, it on, put on, put on, put on Twitch live stream it. I'll watch it. Yeah. Watch for, I'll watch for eight hours solid. I don't fucking care. I'll book a day off work. I'll do it. I'll do that. Um. So we, yeah, we got a little. So we, we got a sort of maybe a spoiler for next week. Uh, Sean Spears backstage got a promo on Wardlow. Mentioned how Wardlow's beaten every giant put in his way, but he was coming for him and it panned towards Spears' chair, which he'd written giant killer on. So maybe they're going to have a match where it's like, you've got to fight Sean Spears, except Sean Spears can hit you with a chair five times when the match starts and you're not allowed to use the chair where he is. Yeah, so the, the winner of the Owen just wins a cup. All right. They have made, they have mentioned, haven't they? Like, not like officially, but there's been like passing mentions that it's going to lead to like title shots. Maybe it's just put your rankings. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to put you up the rankings because you've got to win like a tournament. All right. Next up, we have men of the year and Dan Lambert in the ring. Um, Dan Lambert said he was from Baltimore, which got a big pop. Then he, t- he took the piss out of Baltimore and said that Miami was better. They all started booing him. Um, Basically, I don't know how I don't know how like how much of this is thing and how much of this is storyline, but like basically Ethan Page started saying about like Sammy and Ty and then said that they're not gonna have the next tag match anymore. Which there's a lot to talk about that, isn't it? Because like this room is Sammy's What's that? Sammy's engine. Yeah, well Sammy's engine, and there's also rumors that Page was like not very good at wrestling. Yeah, that's it. Hey, your your mic's just gone weird there, mate. Okay, is that better? There you go. Um so yeah, so the, the, the this was kind of a bit bit weird, wasn't it? Um, Age Van Zandt stopped training for a bit. Did you? I mean, who knows? But not, not. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I mean I'm not. I'm not going to be devastated if this if that match never happens. But if it does, it'll be all right. It'll be nice. Um, I just even page sent Sammy to the shadow realm. Yeah, Frank Zeri came out to basically get his title shot that Scorpio promised him for stepping aside the other week. And again, they, they sort of played this again a bit, didn't they? Where like Scorpio was being honourable and was like, "Yeah, I'm a fight champion. I'll do what I said. I'll give you the shot." And like Page and Sky, Page and Lambert were like a little bit taken aback, a little bit of gas. They were like, "Well, hang on, what are you doing here?" Scorpio as well says, uh, "So Dan doesn't he? He's like, I want to bring prestige back to this belt. Uh, that that interim title needs to go back to the uh, yeah." He basically tells American Dan Dan Lambert to give to give his belt up, yeah, which is interesting. So, this is very, very much pushing Scorpius guy back in the face direction quite strongly. I I think that Ethan Page is gonna turn on Scorpio, win the belt off Scorpio, and then um, Dan Lambert and Scorpio and Ethan Page both coming off belts. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely here for the eventual Scorpius guy, Ethan Page, TNT title match. That's gonna bang. Yeah, I, I, I can. As I said to you, uh, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, I, I feel like that's what they're going to probably go for for All Out, maybe. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Uh, right, next up, the commentary team are about to start running down the Dynamite card, but Jungle Boy comes out and just batters where he starts, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for reasons. And Starks, like, crawls off to the back like a absolute coward. Tactical, for tactical reasons, obviously. I mean, it's annoying that Chris Jericho gets attacked, doesn't leave commentary. Ricky Starks gets attacked, leaves commentary. Yeah. Chris Jericho, not just Chris Jericho gets attacked and not leave commentary. Chris Jericho gets attacked, doesn't leave commentary, and then talks all over him like a bunny. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> um, Jungle Boy doesn't... Um, sorry, yeah, Jungle Boy, like, this is a bit weird, isn't it? Like, Jungle Boy, like, the face, just unprovoked attacks Ricky Starks on commentary. 
Well, Ricky Starks was cutting a promo, wasn't he? Yeah, but so you know, beat the guy up like he's a face. He, li- he literally said, "Jungle Boy doesn't have the guts to come and attack me." <laughs> yeah, and then he did. So yeah, definitely. Boy did. Yeah, he called down the line, didn't he? Um, he did. So yeah, and then Jungle Boy picks up the FW title, looks at it, and then just throws it back on the table. I thought he was going like, to give it to Taz, but like, there you go, you hold on to that, mate. You know, that would have been nice. Jungle Boy's in danger. And then, what a treat we had for a main event. Because we had Kinsuke Takeshita versus Jay Lethal. So Takeshita, for anyone who doesn't know, he was over in AW. He's, is, he, is he still the DDT champion? Uh, he, has, he, he has been DDT champion. He was over last year. He worked that house show, didn't he? That um, AEW taped and have just sat on the footage of for some reason. They've never released it. They, they put some like clips up on YouTube. But the same thing for, um, for when they finally have a streaming platform. Save, save it for their network, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that match had Pack and Constant Sakesta against each other. Yeah. Which I want to fucking see. Uh, but yeah, but this match was. I mean, they literally just took a fucking strong style match and put it in the middle of the rampage. Yeah, and credit to Jay Lethal for just like giving so much to Takeshita. Yeah, I, I don't know. Has Jay Lethal worked a lot in Japan? Or? Um, he's done bits and bobs in New Japan, yeah. Because he, um, he really fit in quite well here. Like, he, he, he worked really well with Takeshita. He, he's definitely worked. He's worked in Japan before, how, like obviously with ROH as well. They had the new Japan relationship until they fucked it up. Um, and that helped. Uh, let's have a look. So he, yeah, he's, he's wrestled a lot. I mean, he's definitely wrestled a lot of Japanese guys yeah. through Ring Up. Um, as for actual runs in Japan, not really. I suppose Impact as well, you would have worked with a lot of Japanese guys. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah. You, 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 you would obviously know Okada through his time at Impact, which is kind of bizarre when you think about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this was... Oh, this match was great. There was, there was a moment like towards the back. I, th- I thought they were going to give Takeshi the win, like when he just literally decapitated Lethal with that enormous forearm. Yeah. I think I think they needed to they really needed to like give Lethal a big win here. Um <clears throat> doesn't really hurt Takeshita too much losing to No, Lethal. well there were loads of shenanigans well. Like Takeshita had the match won with that massive knee. Yeah. And Sanjay just di- distracted the referee and was being a little bastard. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Lethal finally hits a lethal ingestion and gets the win. Um, again, really super, super fun match. Like, the character looked like a million bucks. He was, like, so over with the crowd as well. Like, the crowd were really into him. Yeah. Yeah, they really were. Um, I I think this is going to be the start of, like, a really good run for Takeshita. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's... He's been very... Uh, very like kind of hyped up hasn't he since they, since they like made the announcement that he was going to be wrestling on Rampage yeah they made it feel, they made uh, it feel like a massive deal which was really cool <clears throat> and he's also he's not been just limited to AEW like he um, no he's been working all over hasn't he 
he's been working PWG. He's going to be wrestling Daniel Garcia for PWG title at the next day. Uh, yeah, that's going to be so good. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. Also, he's um, he's been wrestling for Deadlock Pro Wrestling, which I still need to watch. Um, I know Chimwag Dan um, talks about it all the time. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, he's been wrestling a few people on that. So check that out. Sweet. Right. And after the match, just before we finish, um, they beat, basically, they, they go to beat up. Uh, well, the, the, the Gailey from the boys go to beat up um, to catch their best friends in Orange Cast to come out and make the save. Uh, Chuck Taylor gets annihilated by Satnam Singh. Um, mm-hmm. Orange Casty is the last man standing and he tries to face off with, with Satnam and then he backs off. But And he's got a plan to Mojo runs out with the lead pipe and security holds Joe back. Um, and they sort of like just growl each other, which is yeah, just pushing the story forward, which is fine. Yeah, do you think we're gonna get to, uh, Joe and Satnam? Uh, um, I think they, I think they could. I mean, they might wait till the next Ring of Honor show, maybe if they're gonna have another Ring of Honor pay per view. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got uh, either an ROH title match or an ROH um, TV title match. Oh, after next on- show. Yeah, the next paper. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, right before we move on to questions, Jay, you have any highs or lows from Rampage? Um, yeah, my high was. I really enjoyed Riho and Sakazaki. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it always feels like a bit of a treat when we see Yuka Sakazaki in the US, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I I I don't think there was a bad macho moment on this on the show. I, I, I didn't have a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that one bit it was it was just the funnest of the of the matches. I, I really enjoyed the Takeshita and Lethal. I really enjoyed the Hulk and JD Drake and the tag match as well. Uh, but I think this one just edged it for me just because it was just a really fun match. Yeah. Uh, they, got, they, they got a lot out of an hour here, didn't they? They really did. Uh, I'll take uh, again, no lows for me. I think this this was like you said, this is just there was too much good stuff in here. Uh, I'll take the main event because Takeshita looked like an absolute boss and he almost took Kaylee's head off about four times with some knees and some clotheslines, which was lovely to see. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, right then, we'll move on to some questions. Um, so, a couple from Sarah. Uh, well, we had a lot of people. So both, so we had questions from Sarah, from Nath, and from Joe, and they all asked about Julia Hart. So yeah. Sarah said, "What did we make of the Julia Hart segment? Is she going to join Murder Club? I hope not. If she doesn't, if she doesn't feel she fits in." Um, Nat said, "Why do you think they haven't pulled the gun on Julia? Is the slow burn going to hurt it in the long run?" And then Joe said. Um, the Julia Hart thing is a bit rubbish, isn't it? Really? So, a lot of, a lot of strong opinions about the Julia Hart character. Um, any thoughts, Jay? Um, I felt like that was the right time to probably pull the trigger on it. If I'm being honest, I understand why they didn't because it was leading into Death Triangle and House of Black. It feels. Um, it kind but... of feels like this whole death. The whole thing with the House of Black. I, I, still, I don't think it's bad. I, I think it's become a bit truncated because of the injury to Ray. 
Yeah. I think that's really thrown off the momentum of the whole storyline and everything. They, they had to like pivot to the Fuego thing from it while Ray got back to like fitness. And it's made yeah. the things that maybe would have happened like a month ago. I think it's I think it'll all land in the right place by the time we get to double or nothing. Or even after double or nothing. Yeah. But I think the I think the, the Ray Phoenix injury is kind of through a major spanner in the works there. I think there's a chance that Julia Hart doesn't ever join the House of Black. I think there's a, there's a shade there's a shade of like the Heath Ledger Joker like just want to watch the world burn thing with Malachi Black, isn't it? Yeah, there is. I think as well, like with Julia, it's almost as if she's been indoctrinated by Malachi. But she she's not quite all the way there. But, yeah, but like like she because obviously like of all the people that like Malachi's like black misted, black misted Penta, Penta become Penta Obscuro, black misted. Um, has he done Phoenix? Uh, no, Phoenix? no, he, he did Pack. Pack, done, Pack, Pack, uh, was, Pack was incorruptible because he's doing Trabastic. Pack's Julia is like literally like seen as like the purest person in AEW. Cody joined WWE. That's how uh, much yeah. effect him. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else is he, is he? Did he do Fuego? Did he do Fuego? I can't remember. I don't think he has. No, but, I'm not sure he has. Either way, like. The, the the hyping up are like it's a big deal. I think either either she's like not going to join and she's just going to revert back to being normal Julia, or it's going to slowly take over and she's going to be like spooky Julia. I think she could turn heel without joining the House of Black. I think like I I feel I feel like it's interesting that they made a big deal of not showing her eye. Yeah, I, I don't think they necessarily I, need her to join the House of Black. I think he's just, the, he's not after recruiting her. He just wants to, like the whole thing of Alistair Black, or Malachi Black, sorry, even Alistair Black when he's the next day, his whole character, the whole point of his character is he's holding up a mirror to people and showing them how that they're, they're like not good people. Mm. Like that's yeah. his whole thing. It's like there's evil in everyone and I'm just here to like expose everyone for who they are. It's like kind of like the fiend except like less like fairgroundy. Yeah. Kind of Bray Wyatt, but less like sort of you know obvious. A little bit more, a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more sort of you know like Lovecraftian almost. Yeah, and I, I think I think he could he could corrupt people and make them like confront their own like monstrosities without them necessarily becoming members of the House of Black. The House of Black is just a tool by which he achieves that. Yeah. Do, do you think, uh, you know, because Buddy's uh, dating Rhea Ripley, do you think he maybe he's like, Buddy's brought around to like introduced to his mates and Malachi's done a black stick on her and that's why I hate black milk? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. She went to the uh, she went to the House of Black Poconos and she came away even more goth than when she went in. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, right. So uh, that's, that's that's kind of, I mean, I think there's more there's more to tell here with Julia and I'm interested to see where I'm still in, I'm still invested in it I'm still interested to see where it goes Julia's doing excellent yeah. in this by the way I'm really enjoying <laughs> I'm really enjoying her character work yeah I, I think she's definitely going to end up there personally yeah okay I mean there's, I mean, don't get me wrong there's every chance that could happen as well hmm. uh, right next up server again um, why are they potentially dropping silver to CM Punk in his own town I think two reasons I can go first on this one. I think one, because it makes Punk look strong if he beats the hometown boy. And 
gives him some momentum. And two, because I think you have to go into this poor Kangman match with both of them showing heel tendencies, like you said earlier. Yeah, I, I think I think AEW are trying the hardest to get like the room split on the two. Which I mean, I think they want to. They want to build an environment where it's feasible that either man. I don't think either will, but I think they want to build an environment where either man could turn heel during the match. Yeah, and I think they want to keep people guessing over who it's going to be, if it's yeah. anyone. I, I I like the fact that like with Hangman when he gets to like his sort of when he gets to like this stage, like it was look at when uh, they did like the books and uh, the books against Kenny Hangman, and Hangman teased turn on Kenny in that match, and now Hangman's teasing ten heel against Punk. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like, you, could even argue, you, you could even argue that it's not even necessarily a heel turn. Just about this setting up, like both men as just ass kickers. They don't care about the stakes or the pageantry, or you know the the, the you know the, the the match quality. They're just both here to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think. Punk versus Silver, it's just it's just because of Hangman's alignment to the Dark Order. That could be a way that you either see the Dark Order splitting up or even Hangman like distancing himself from the Dark Order. Uh, so just to, to sort of clarify, to sort of expand on that, Nat asked, um, is Hangman turning heel? And would you like to see that? I'm very intrigued by the idea you put up before that like Hangman will, if he dallies, if he sort of dabbles in heelness, like that could cost him his title. Yeah. Like um, I don't think Hangman could be a heel. Like to be in his heart of hearts, he could try to be a heel, and I don't think he'd be a very good one. And I think it would have ramifications for his for his performance in the match. But I think that's definitely if he tries to to go to the to a dark place to beat Punk. I think, like you said, I think that could be end up that could end up being what cost him the cost him the match. Well, it goes back to like. Um... Where, um, when Hangman was tagging with Kenny, doesn't it? Where he, he teased the heel turn on Kenny, and then <clears throat> he um he helped FTR cost the book the books the match, the one contenders match, yeah, um, which then ultimately cost him the tag titles. Every every time Hangman kind of dips his toe into like the darker side of things, it it ultimately ends up costing him, which is why. Which is why, like, he's such a good guy. Yeah, I mean, so, and, and there, there were shades of this in his match with Adam Cole when he showed members of the Dark Order around on the outside. Yeah. Um. So while I think, I I, I think he'd he fucking smashed being a heel. He was a heel in Ring of Honor. And he, he did a fucking awesome job of it. Yeah. Um. It'd be more intriguing to see now for me because obviously every time he dips his toe into the dark side, something bad happens, usually involving him losing a title. Um if he goes the full way, what would happen? What would happen? Yeah. Is, is he, gonna, he bear in mind as well, he lost everything and then I, like got new friends and like became like happier and won the title. What if he goes the other way? Loses the title, he pushes the dark order away. He ends up, I don't know, beating shit or like John Silver or something. 
Yeah. Oh God, imagine that. That would just make everyone sad, wouldn't it? Jesus. Um, you bring buckets and start hanging people over the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. We'll move you know, on to. Like, it's it's very intriguing a heel hangman page for me. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Joe again. <clears throat> uh, he said a uh, question about Pack. Uh, why isn't Pack holding every belt? And Ethan Ginsler's brackets. He's treating himself. Uh, I think it's the only reason I can think of. I, I think it's he, Greg. I, it's Greg's, yeah. He, he, he likes some hot. One well, hot because I can warm. Um, better than that. <laughs> I, I think the only reason Pac hasn't found success in AW in terms of titles is just his travel situation. Yeah, he doesn't want to leave Newcastle, does he? No, and I think he's too. I, I can't blame him. Like, look at that flat he's got. Yeah. That's a really nice flat. But I. Um... I don't think they can trust him with a belt if he can't guarantee that he'll be at Joe's. Mm. You, well, you, you look at how many times they've had to change plans because, like, I mean, I know you'd like to think hopefully now with the way the world is, like, compared to how it was six to 12 months ago, that it's not going to be as much of an issue going forward. But I think there's a little bit more hesitation putting the belts on someone who's not US based. Yeah, especially given, like, how. Um... When, when Riho was the uh, women's champion, and didn't she have travel problems at some point? I think so. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's one of the only reasons. Um, because I, I can't see any reason why he wouldn't. I think he'll, he'll definitely at some point. You'd like that to being, think you'd have a belt. That being said, Lucha Rose, Mexico based, and they they held the tag titles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, true. I, I think for Pac. It's largely that the opportunity hasn't arose yet. Yeah, don't I, forget, there's, there's only been like, when you count how many champions, like singles or like tag champions have been in AW, there's not not been a lot. <laughs> like, there's a lot of guys to get through. I wouldn't be surprised if Pac had the TNT title before like the end of like next year. Yeah, that's a, that's a shout. I, I personally, I'd put the world title on at some point, but. Uh, right, still from Joe. Is the Dark Order done for now with Stu leaving? Uh, it doesn't seem like looking at BT this week. No, I mean, I think the Dark Order's popularity and their link to Brody will always mean they'll be around in some capacity. They'll always be... I mean, they're, they're, they're not like they've been all over the card with Stu involved, is it? You know, they're not, they're not on every show. They're not like in every main event. You know, they're just popping up here and there, like little flavoured bits and bobs. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I... I... I really want to see the, see more from the Dark Order. Like, I don't mean as in I want them to do more. I want, like, I don't want to see more from them personally. I want to see AW do more with them. Use them more. Yeah, but like you say, like, they've got so many... They've got so much so much, so much great talent. Like, Tony Khan was on the Swerve uh, City podcast this week, and he said, yeah, it's really hard to, like, book this much talent on three hours of TV. And I understand that, like... You want to have Swerve, you want to have Keith Lee, you want to have Team Taz, you want to have FTR, you want to have the Bucks, you want to have the Lucha Bros, you want to have Derby. You know, you know there's like, how, how do you get all these guys on TV? Yeah. But I think as well, like, the way the way AW's, like, the way their roster's kind of stacked now, they should be doing more for them on, like, shows like Dark, like Elevation. They, when they first started doing Dark and Elevation, like, well, not, not elevation, but when they first started doing dark, like they were literally fucking must see. 
Yeah. They, they'd have like three fucking bangers on the show and go, all right, say W Dark. They had like mocks on the first episode, didn't they? Or Kenny? Kenny. Yep. They had, they had Kenny defend the fucking AAA mega championship against Sammy Guevara on episode of Dark. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's mad that they're not doing more with it. Uh, right, last question from Joe. Uh, when are we getting Hookhausen? I, I, I think I think soonish, maybe. I think as soon as next week. You reckon it's going to come straight away? I I think that Danhausen could beat Tony Nixon and then get the ship beaten out of him, and then then we got a Hook makes a Hook save makes- on the first beat down. Well, he's, he's got beef with Tony Nese, hasn't he? Because Tony Nese... Uh, True. Tony Nese to jump Hawk first, not Danhausen. Yeah, that's, that? that's... Yeah, I mean, it's... I think they might drag it out a little bit longer. Um, I think you might see Danhausen getting his shit kicked out of him a few times before we bring it all, all together. Um, all right, so we've got a bit more from Sarah about Wardlow. Um, will Wardlow get cheered in Long Island? Like, we know MGF gets a big pop in Long Island, don't we? Yeah, Wardlow getting cheered in. I don't know, actually. <laughs> He's so over, though, isn't he? Like, surely this, surely this would transcend the Long Island yeah, effect. Yeah, in Long Island. And the fact that MJF goes to Long Island and is like the returning baby face. I think you'll still see a, a decent pop for Wardlow on Wednesday. Depends what the album do, isn't it? Yeah. But he's he's in that, he's in, he's in that Steve Austin like mode at the moment though, anyway. He's just getting pops all over the place because all he does is like throw security guards around and beat his boss up. So yeah, if he if he um if he attacks MJF, he gets booed. If he attacks Chair, he's gonna get massive pop. Well, if he beats up Chair, then yeah, it's all better off. If he just spanks Chair perverts all over the place, then yeah, it's giant kill Chair. Uh, right, got a bit more from. Oh, also, sorry, more on the to Wardlow. Uh, Sarah also asked, "What do you think MGF's stipulations are going to be for his Wardlow match?" I think first and foremost, the one he's used before, if Wardlow touches him, he doesn't get the match. Yeah, I think Wardlow's going to have to be Spears in some kind of match, like where Spears can use a chair. Do you reckon there'll be a, a, a sort of Cody stipulation where, like, MGF? Because one of the one of the best things I remember from early Dynamite was that episode where um, MGF got some whip Cody with his belt. Yeah, that was weird. That because then you had the books and like Kenny and all of them coming out and checking on them, didn't you? Yeah, that was that was a different time before the Cody verse was a thing. <laughs> Maybe that caused the Cody verse. Maybe that's when the yeah. world shattered. Um, I could see that. Uh, I, I feel as if there's going to be. Do you think the match? The, do you think the MGF match itself will have any stipulations? The, the big match. Yeah, I do. I think obviously MJF said if Wardlow wins, he gets freedom from his contract. I think if there'll be something like if Wardlow loses, he never has the opportunity to get freedom again. He's got to just fall in line. Yeah, really, really raise the stakes like real, like yeah. That that seems like the best kind of way for MJF as a heel to kind of to kind of really like solidify that like you've got to fall in line if you do, if you if you lose you fall in line you you just gotta do my bin like forever 
Yeah. Uh, right, moving on. Um, back to Nat. She said, who would you put the trio's belts on first and why? So we know the common trio's belts have been made, apparently. And they're yeah. waiting for Kenny to get back fit so we can be part of the tournament. Uh, but then they're going to do something with trio's belts. So who would you feels, have as the first champions? It feels as though Tony, if they're waiting for Kenny to come back, Tony probably is going to put them on the elite. Yeah. Um, that being said, personally, I'd probably put them on death trial. Okay, hear me, hear me out. It just might sound a bit weird. Oh, actually, no, no. Best friends in Orange Cassidy. I was literally just about to say that. Best friends in Orange yeah. Cassidy. Because two things. One, Sarah made a point um, on Dynamite when we watched Dynamite last week. She said if you put the trios belts on Blackpool Combat Club, for example, you're kind of fucked because they're not going to lose the belts for a long time because they're booked mm. real strong. Uh, put it on same with Death Triangle, same with House of Black. They're big, strong teams that are going to be booked very strongly and they're not going to lose. Death Triangle can take a loss, though. But if you put them on Best Friends, there's two things. One, it's the year one thank you title reign that they gave to like Jurassic Express and Lucha but some belts as one. Like, I don't think Best Friends are getting the other tag titles because of how jam packed the scene is. It gives Orange Cassidy a belt, which you know would be nice, a nice little thing. So he's really done a lot for the company. Best Friends again, Chuck and Trent. Also, you can give them that sort of intro, that short intro SE ring, and then put them onto a bigger team. Yeah, because on the other. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's how I that's how I do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and also actually, what they could do is if they have they have their best friends win them, like become the first champions, and then lose them to Blackpool Combat Club, and it's because of Utah. Yeah. You a cave in Trent Skull or something. Oh, mate, that would be... Oh, oh. Well, That's what they should do. Use a fucking dragon Trent bloodied corpse over the mass to pin him for the fucking trio's titles. He hates Trent. He loves, he loves, he loves Chuck and Orange, but he hates Trent. Just use a, like, I'm sorry, I love you to, to Chuck as he fucking psycho knees him to death. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> give me that uh, right one last sort of we're, we're going to finish on some like more spectacle questions for a bit more fun a bit more beat way to finish and before that Sarah one more time uh, when are 2.0 going to start wrestling again never because they're sports entertainers now they don't need to yeah, they sports entertain yeah simple as promos and bump just yeah doing mad bumps off it and Chris Jericho Matt Menard Matt Menard is just sourcing all of like the locals the locals here Tufts cocaine. <laughs> just like a fucking blizzard in, in Jericho's dressing room every week now. Matt Menard just goes around finding local Tufts to fucking fight. That's all he does. And steal their drugs. And then steals the drugs, yeah. Uh, right, we've got a lot of we've got a couple of questions. So uh, Nat wants to know what big surprises do you think we're going to get at Dublin Nothing? And Sarah wants to know um, who do you think are the two jokers in the Owen Hart tournament? So we'll go with Nats first. Do you think there is any surprise at Dublin? Or do you think they've kind of moved past that a bit now? Nah, they've, they've, they've had surprises the last two pay-per-views on. Did they have one full game? No, I don't think they did. They didn't. didn't. I suppose full gear was all about fucking... Kenny Hammond. I think because they're doing the jokers, we'll talk about so we're talking about this, talk about the jokers at the same time. I think 
maybe we don't see any um, because we've had like Ring of Honor. I don't know. Well, but then again, Double or Nothing's right before. I'm calling it now. I think a card is going to challenge whoever wins at Double or Nothing. Carders. See, I don't know about that. I think that's when no. you do it. That's when the coin flip, drop, boom, everything. Because you know there's a, a stage for it. Yeah. And a card has said he's going to be involved. That's true. That's true. Also, though, well, actually, a card is in the country as well. Also, I want um, I want Eddie Kingston and Ishii to still be fighting after Capital City Riot and the, the fight to still be going on during Double or I was going to say, uh, oh, they did have a surprise at um, uh, Full Gear. They had Jay Lethal. No, oh, I mean, yeah. Fair. I mean, that's like, it's like your main present, is it? It's like your little one. Yeah, it's like... Uh, it's, it's, like it's like the socks you get every year that you know are coming, and you, you, act, you act like you really like them, but you know. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I think we'll get a card there. Or, I don't know, because a card there... The, the issue with the card is showing up at double or nothing is then again no no it doesn't because a card can just come out and challenge Punk regardless can't he he doesn't have to come out he could just I think right I think either a card challenges the winner of the title match which we think is going to be Punk and he can do that over video which is fine or Kenta comes out GTS is Punk after Winter belt. nah we're definitely getting Punk a card on yeah Punk a card is, is locked in so I, th- well, I, say, I, say yeah, punk, I say Punk the, wins and then a card the challenges. Just because in the Wrestle Kingdom press conference, a card said he wants to wrestle Punk. Yeah. Like, literally replied saying, this is my address, and it was the address of the uh, United Center. Yeah, true. They're, they're absolutely doing Punk and a card in that building. I, see, my issue is that a card is wrestling Jay White two weeks later at Dominion. Mm. New Japan aren't going to want... Um, to kind of like telegraph the finish of or the winner of their main event of the second biggest show of the year. So they might hold off on that. Yeah, I mean I I, I just think that's that if you're gonna if you're gonna bring a card or anything, they are going to that's that's when that's when you do it. Yeah. Uh right, so we've got a bit of talk about Jokers. So Joe asked as well, are the Jokers gonna be Gargano and Candice? I don't think so. No. I I do not think so. I don't think it'll be either of them. Do you? No. I think Gargano Gargano's a possibility. Uh, so, right. Sarah, asked, think, who, Sarah asked, who do you think the two jokes are going to be? Who do you think the two jokes are going to be? Um, I think the joke of the women's there's two ways it can go. It's either going to be Rebel because they're facing Brit and then Brit can just finger poke of Doomer and then gets like basically essentially gets herself a bye to the next round. Yeah. Or it's going to be someone cool debuting like, I don't know, Athena or uh, Nixon Newell or someone like that. But, uh, the problem with that is though they're, they're up against Brit, which they've either got to beat Brit or lose to Brit. True, but they can still look good at, in, in defeat against Brit. I mean, look at Ruby Soho. Yeah, she her, her second match in AW was the match against Brit, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was the Battle Royal, and then it was her match against Brit. Yeah. Grand Slam, yeah. Uh, 
for the men's. I really wanted to be Cesaro. Really wanted to be Cesaro. However, I think it could be. It could be like lethal or something. What if, so I've got a theory. Someone, someone makes something the other day and it made sense to me. I think it could be Cesaro and I really want it to be Cesaro. That'd be awesome. However, I'd also really like this if it was Jay White. Ooh. They're going to put Jay White and Samoa Joe like just as a random fucking TV match. But then if Jay White beats Samoa Joe, then you've got the possibility of a Jay White Adam Cole scenario down the line to build attention towards Forbidden Door. Well, it, it, it would be in the semi final. Yeah. Hmm. That's intriguing, isn't it? That's very intriguing. I'm really, I'm, I don't know. I, I, for the, for the first time in a long time with AEW, I've not been able to predict like who it could be. No, and that, that's why what makes it so exciting. That's why I can't wait yeah. for like to, to see what it is. Like when, when they did the Joker for the, um, the casino, the women's casino battle role, we all kind of knew it was going to be Ruby. Yeah. Um. Joker for the men's battle royal last year was the one where we were like, I'm not got a clue on it, and it'll be Leo Rush. Yeah, which was a really cool surprise. Which was a really boss surprise, yeah. Uh, and the tag team one was top light, wasn't it? Because it was Darius coming back. Yes, it was, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really don't know. Um, but I'm either way, I think it, I, I feel as if the, if they're doing a Joker, it's got to be someone somewhat big. I know, I know. Actually, Nat said um, through the week, which I was kind of like, I'd, I'd be down with that. Miro, I would love it if it was Miro, and then just do Miro, Miro and Joker's murder the fuck out of each other for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, I'd love that because I don't think we had, we didn't get Rusev versus Samoa Joe, did we? No, no, they were never main roster together. Sounds give me that. Yeah, I'll accept that as well. So Miro, Cesaro, or Jay White for that, please. And I mean, I'd take anyone like Athena, Tegan Knox, or Nixon Neal. Um, is there anyone who's due like to retain? That's what I was thinking. Is it someone who's coming back? But I don't I think everyone is on the shelf. I don't think anyone's due to come back. It's only like Layla, I can think of, who's injured. Yeah, but she's like, she's like really injured, isn't she? So he's out till the end of the year, yeah. Mm. Maybe Statlander coming back in a like new gimmick. Spooky Statlander. Yeah, I'd be down with that. I mean, it doesn't have to be someone. I, I feel like the fans, some some section of the internet, of course, some section of the internet will shit on it if it's not a big debut. But I feel like it could be a return or like a re debut. I feel like it. I, I feel like the only way they can redeem it if it's not like a return or a debut, as I say, is if it's Rebel because it's against Brit. And it's like a finger book. Uh, yeah. And then it just gets more heat on Brit, doesn't it? Yeah. But even then, that got that gets so much shit. Like the finger post doing it so much shit anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, but this is for the world title. Yeah. So it's like the first round of a tournament, so it's it's slightly more forgivable. Yeah, but at the same time as well, is there's also the fact that like the uh, that Owen tournament, they're kind of like building it on being like this really great wrestling tournament. Yeah. Oh, 
it wouldn't necessarily be a good thing if they had like British cheat away to the semis. Don't know, it, it's really hard to call this one. I'd like it to be Athena. Yeah, I think it would be cool. Like it feels like that's been on the on the horizon for a little while now, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, right. she, they they struggle to come to terms with me. Yeah. Uh, right, I think that's going to do it then. Wow, that was a lot of questions. That was a long, was like 40 minutes on questions there because, you know, we've got to give the people what they want. We give the people what they want. Um, like, give the best friends the trios tag titles. Give the people what they want. <laughs> right. So that is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we hope you all have a lovely week. Enjoy your wrestling. We'll see you next week for some more AEW action. Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you all very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast housing, the Untitled Wrestling Podcast Housing. <laughs>